6640. Your future lies in 6640. 66 books by 40 authors, and yet we now discover it's an integrated message system from outside our time domain. Welcome to 6640, the ministry outreach of Koinonia House and Koinonia Institute. Today's Bible teacher is Chuck Missler, connecting the Bible to your life and the world around you. In today's study, Chuck completes his teaching on the book of 1 Chronicles, chapters 10 through 13. He slew an Egyptian that's uh, seven and a half feet high. And in the Egyptian's hand was a spear like a weaver's beam. He went down to him with a staff and he plucked the spear out of the Egyptian's hand and slew him with his own spear. <laughs> you don't mess around with this guy. These things did Beniah, son of Jehida, and he had a name among the three mighties and he's going to get promoted uh, uh, the, uh, by uh, uh, Solomon's going to advance him in the place of Joab later. And... Uh, Behold, he was honorable among the thirty, but attained not to the first three. David set him over his guard. And also the valiant men of the armies were Ashel, the brother of Joab, Elhanan, the son of Dodo of Bethlehem, Shamoth, the Hararite, Helez, the Pelonite, uh, Ira, the son of Ikesh, the Tekoite, Abiezer, the Antithite, uh, Maharai, the Netophathite. I'm sure I'm mispronouncing most of these, but I'll leave you to correct me when you're in the mood. Uh, Helen, the son of Baana, the Netophathite, Ethai, the son of Ribai, the of Gibeah, that pertained to the children of Benjamin, Benai, the Pirathanite, Hurai, the brooks of Gash, Abiel, the Arbathite, uh, Asmaveth, and the Baharumite, Eliabah, the Shalbanite. You know, you go through these names, um, and on the one hand, we can't really pronounce them right. We don't know much about them. A few of them, we have anecdotal indications that they were pretty formidable people. But it's interesting that God keeps a record. And uh, I'm among those that suspect that you are in this record. You're written in this book. I have this theory that the Bible itself is the book of life. And that your name, if you're in the book of life, is encrypted in the scriptures. And uh, every, all the research has been done on, on equidistant letter sequences, which are linear transforms. No one, to my knowledge, has really got, attacked polynomials. And uh, I'm not sure there's merit in doing that for a number of other reasons, but uh, it won't surprise me at all if we discover, strangely enough, that our names are here too, if you're serving God, if you're, in, if you're saved by Christ. I just throw that out as a thought. Anyway, the sons of Hashem, the Gizanite, Jonathan, the son of Shag, the Hararite, uh, Hayam, the son of Sekar, the Hararite, and Elaphal, the son of Ur, uh, Nefer, the Merkarathite, Ahijah, the Pelonite, uh, Hezro, the Carmelite, and Neari, the son of Esbei, Joel, the brother of Nathan, uh, Mibar, the son of Hagarai, Zelek, the Ammonite, and Hatnaharai, the Barathite, and the armor-bearer of Joab, the son of Zerai. And Ira the Ithrite. These, these labels, by the way, are not necessarily ethnic. They're sometimes geographical. It's like saying John the Californian, if you will. So, he doesn't, it's, it's, so there's, a lot of, there's a lot of commonality between the place names and previous people, and yet it does, it's not necessarily one for one. Anyway, Adina the son of Shiza, the Reubenite, the captain of the Reubenites, and 30 with him. Hanan the son of Makar, the Joshaphat, and the Mithanite, Uzziah, the Ethererite, the Shama, and 
Jehiel, the sons of Hothan and Ararite. And uh, <laughs> now, uh, before we leave the slide, though, you notice in uh, verse 41 there, Uriah the Hittite. I missed, I wanted to catch that one because he's going to be very important in the life of David because that's Bathsheba's husband that David arranges to murder. So he's one of the mighty men. He's not just a soldier, he's one of the key guys. Jadael, the son of Shimri, the Johath, his brother, the Tizite, Ithiel, the Mahavite, and Jeremiah, the, and, and uh, Josheviah, the sons of Elanam, and Ithma, the Moabite, Ethiel, and Obed, and Jeziel, and Meshavite. Okay. I'm just as glad as you are that that's over. Okay. <laughs> Chapter 12. Now these are they that came to David, to Ziklag, while he yet kept himself close because of Saul, the son of Kish, and they were among the mighty men, helpers of the war. So these are the insiders. They were with them in the dark days. They were armed with bows and could use both the right hand and the left in hurling stones and shooting arrows out of a bow, even of Saul's brethren of Benjamin. Benjamites were terrifying guys, if you know their history. And uh, when they say hurling stones, they don't mean with their hands. They're talking with a sling. Very skilled in that. And... Uh, so these guys are, are, are able with weapons, with both the right and left hand. I think that's kind of exciting. The chief was Ahizer, then Joash, the sons of Shema, and the Gibeathite, and Jeziel, and Pelet, and the sons of Asmaveth, and Beracha, and Jehu, the Antonite, and Ishmael, the Gibeonite, the mighty man among the thirty and over the thirty, and Jeremiah, the Jeaziel and Johanan and Jezebed and Gederathite and Eluzai and Jeremoth and Belial and Shemariah and Shef Attiah the And none of this will be on, uh, let me relax, none of this will be on the final exam. Okay. All right. Elkanah and Josiah and Jezreel and Yozer and Jezreel and the Korahites and Jola and Zebediah and the sons of Jeroham and Gedor and of the Gadites, that's the tribe of Gad, they separated themselves unto David unto, into the hold, into the wilderness, men of might and men of war, fit for the battle that could handle shield and buckler, whose faces were like the faces of lions and were as swift as the roes or gazelles, if you will, upon the mountains. Ezra the first, Obadiah the second, Eliab the third, Mishmana the fourth, Jeremiah the fifth, Atai the sixth, uh, Eliel the seventh, Johanan the eighth, Elzabad the ninth, Jeremiah the tenth, Machpaniah the eleventh. These were the sons of Gad, captains of the host. One of the least was over a hundred, and the greatest over a thousand. These are they that went over the Jordan in the first month when it had overflown all its banks, and they put to flight all them uh, of the valleys, both toward the east and toward the west. And there came of the children of Benjamin and Judah to the hold unto David. And David went out to meet them, and answer said unto them, If ye come peaceably unto me to help me, mine heart shall be knit unto you. But if ye come to betray me to mine enemies, seeing there is no wrong in mine hands, the God of our fathers look thereon and rebuke it. And the Spirit came upon Amasai, who was the chief of the captains, and said, Thine are we, David, and on thy side, thou son of Jesse. Peace, peace be unto thee, and peace be to thy helpers, for thy God helpeth thee. Then David received them and made them captains of the band. So there's a recognition among these mighty men that God's hand was on David, and they are obviously siding with him. And there fell some of Manasseh to David, 
when he came to the Philistines against Saul to battle, but they helped them not. For the lords of the Philistines, upon advisement, sent him away, saying, He will fall to his master Saul, to the jeopardy of our heads. And as he went to Ziklag, there fell to him of Manasseh, Adna, Jozebad, Jediel, Michael, Jozebad, Elihu, and Zilthi, captains of the thousands that were of Manasseh. And they helped David against the band of the rovers, for they were almighty men of valor. They were captains of the host. For at that time, day by day, there came to David to help him, until it was a great host, like the host of God. These are the numbers of the bands that ready armed him to war, and came to David to Hebron, to turn to the kingdom of Saul, to him, according to the word of the Lord. So this is expanding his rule far beyond Hebron now. The children of Judah that bear shield and spear were 6,800, ready armed to the war. Children of Simeon, mighty men of valor for the war, 7,100. Of the children of Levi, 4,600. Of Jehida, he was the leader of the Aaronites. With him were 3,700. And Zadok, the young man, mighty of valor. And of his father's house, 20 and two captains. And of the children of Benjamin, the kindred of Saul, 3,000. And hitherto the greatest part of them kept the ward of the house of Saul. And of the children of Ephraim, 20,800. Mighty men of valor, famous throughout the house of their fathers. And of the half-tribe of Manasseh, 18,000 which were expressed by name to come and make David king. And of the children of Issachar, which... Now this is a verse, by the way. Verse uh, 32 um, uh, here is a key verse for us in our institute. We springboard from this verse a whole... One of our three tracks in our institute. We have three basic paths of advancement. The Berean track, verse-by-verse -verse study of the Bible. The Issachar track, taken from this verse... Uh, and it says here, and of the children of Issachar, which were men that had understanding of the times, to know what Israel ought to do. The heads of them were 200, and all their brethren were at their commandment. The sons of Issachar becomes an idiom in our parlance of those that understand the times. And the second track of the three tracks is we call the Issachar track. It's our attempt to monitor and stay aware of the basic tr strategic trends on our horizon, about a dozen of them. The third track is what we call Koinonos track. Many people might just call it discipleship, but it's more than that. It's ambassadorship. Um, and so uh, that's the doing of the word, if you will. And those three tracks are like three legs on a stool as far as the Institute's concerned. But we take the second track from this very verse. The children of Issachar understood, the men had an understanding of the times to know what their country had to do. Moving on, of Zebulun, such as went forth to battle expert in war with all instruments of war, 50,000, could, which could keep rank, and they were not of double heart. And Naphtali, a thousand captains with them, the shield and spear, 37,000, of the Danites, expert in war, 28,600. And uh, so, and of Asher is what fourth in the battle, expert in war, 40,000, upon the other side of the Jordan, of the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe Manasseh, with all manner of instruments of war, battle, 120,000. And all these men of war that could keep rank came with perfect heart to Hebron, to make David king over all Israel. And all the rest also of Israel, were of one heart to make David the king. And there they were with David three days, eating and drinking, for their brethren had prepared for them. So they all, show, all the tribes are represented here to show support. And uh, so this is a time of great festivity. It's also a key time of political union here. Moreover, they that were nine of them, even unto Issachar and Zebedee and Naphtali, brought bread on asses and on camels and mules and on oxen and meat and meal and cakes and figs and bunches of raisins and wine and oil and oxen and sheep abundantly. For there was joy in Israel. 
So now we get to the ark. But before we get into the ark, I want to now pop back about a century earlier. And I threw this in here because I thought we could squeeze it in. And I think it's the hum most, one of the most humorous passages in the Bible. Um, and we're just going to review. If you want to re put in your notes, just uh, uh, Samuel, first, uh, chapter four, uh, first Samuel 4 through 7 is the region. We're going to just extract some stuff here. But I think you'll get a kick out of it. We're back in 1 Samuel 5. The Philistines took the ark of God. They succeeded. They got the work of God and brought it from Ebenezer unto Ashdod. When the Philistines took the ark of God, they brought it into the house of Dagon and set it by Dagon. And when they of Ashdod arose early in the morrow, <laughs> behold, Dagon was fallen upon his face to the earth before the ark of the Lord. That's some god they're worshiping. They took Dagon and set him up on his place again. <laughs> when they arose early in the, the morrow morning, behold, Dagon was fallen upon his face to the ground before the ark of the Lord. And the head of Dagon and both the palms of his hands were cut off from the threshold. Only the stump of Dagon was left to him. This is just starting. This is just starting. Hang in there. Therefore neither the priests of Dagon nor any that came to Dagon's house tread on the threshold of Dagon in Ashdod unto this day. They had a practice of stepping, not stepping on the threshold from this. But let's move on. But the hand of the Lord was heavy upon the, them of Ashdod. And he destroyed them with several plagues, by the way. One is expressly mentioned here. And smote them with emeralds. Now, what is an emeraid? Any guesses? Hemorrhoids. Yes, that, that would be our current term for it. Yes. Even Ashdod and the coast thereof. And when the men of Ashdod saw it was so, they said, The ark of the God of Israel shall not abide with us, for his hand is sore upon us and upon Dagon our God. They sent, therefore, and gathered all the lords of the Philistines unto them, and said, What shall we do with the ark of the God of Israel? They answered, Let the ark of God of Israel be carried about unto Gath. So they carried the ark of God of Israel about thither. And so it was, so after they carried it about, the hand of the Lord was against the city with a very great destruction, and smote the men of the city, both small and great, and they had hemorrhoids in their secret parts. Their tumors or their hemorrhoids, their hemorrhoids, basically, is what the Hebrew is talking about. Therefore, they sent the Ark of God to Ekron. These are the five key cities of the Philistines. Each city doesn't want any part of this thing. Let's give it to the other guys. So they therefore sent the Ark of God to Ekron. It came to pass as the Ark of, came to Ekron. The Ekronites cried out, saying, They have brought about the Ark of God of Israel to us to slay us and our people. So they sent and gathered together all the lords of the Philistines and said, Send away the ark of the God of Israel. Let it go again to its own place, that it slay us not and our people. For there was a deadly destruction throughout all the city, and the hand of God was very heavy there. And the men that died not were smitten with hemorrhoids. And the cry of the city went up to heaven. You can't draw it from this, but see, there's five key cities of the Philistines, and this goes from one to all five before it's over. Here's a map to give you a perspective of Israel. I put in red is the current Israel to give you a perspective here. And there's the Philistines along the coast. But you got Ekron, Gath, Gaza, Ashkelon, and Ashdod. Those are the five cities of the Philistines, okay? And so this thing has gone from Ebenezer to Apheth, then down to the various cities at in the 
So let's get to the ark of the Lord was in the country of the Philistines seven months. And the Philistines called for the priests and diviners, saying, What shall we do to the ark of the Lord? Tell us wherewith ye shall send it to his place. They said, If we send away the ark of God of Israel, send it not empty, but in any wise return him a trespass offering. Then ye shall be healed, and it shall be known to you why his hand is not removed from you. In other words, their own priests are saying, don't just send it empty, you, got, you better put an offering in it to appease all this. And so they will, what shall the trespass offering, what, what shall be the trespass offering which we shall return to him? They answered, five golden hemorrhoids and five golden mice, according to the number of the lords of the Philistines. For one plague was on you all and on your lords. So this implies that there weren't just the hemorrhoids, there were rats, there were mice problems. And there were also hemorrhoids. So they make five golden mice. I can figure out how they did that. What I'm really curious about is who posed for the five golden hemorrhoids. I'm not making this up. It's right here, first time I say. But every time I go through this, it cracks me up. Can you picture this? Wherefore, you shall make images of your hemorrhoids. <laughs> and images of your mice that mar the land. And you shall give glory unto the God of Israel. Peradventure, he will lighten his hand from off you and from off your gods and from off your land. And I assume also off your secret parts, but we move on. Wherefore, then do ye harden your hearts as the Egyptians and the Pharaoh hardened their hearts. When he hath wrought wonderfully among them, did they not let the people go? And they departed. Now therefore make a new cart, take two milk kine, on which there hath come no yoke, and tie the kind to the cart, and bring their calves home from them. So they're going to dispossess these, un, these cows from their calves. And take the ark of the Lord, and lay it upon the cart, and put the jewels of gold, which she returned to him for a trespass offering, in a coffer by the side thereof, and send it away, that it may go. And see if it goeth up by the way of its own coast to Beth Shemesh, then he hath done us this great evil. But if not, then we shall know that it is not his hand that smote it, it was a chance that happened to us. The men did so. They took two milk kind, tied them the cart, shut up their calves at home. They laid the ark of the Lord up on the cart, and the coffer with the mice and the gold and the images of their hemorrhoids. And the kind took the straight way, took the straight way to the way of Beth Shemesh, and went along the highway, lowing as they went, and turned not aside to the right or the left. And the lords of Philistines went after them unto the border of Beth Shemesh. So it goes off back up to Beth Shemesh, and uh, they of Beth Shemesh were reaping their wheat harvest in the valley. They lifted up their eyes and saw the ark and rejoiced to see it. The cart came into the field of Joshua, the Beshemite, and stood there where there was a great stone. And they clave the wood of the ark and offered the kind a burnt offering unto the Lord. And the Levites took down the ark of the Lord and the coffer that was with it, and there in the, wherein the jewels of gold were, and put them on great stone. And the men of the Beshemesh offered burnt offerings and sacrificed sacrifice the same day unto the Lord. And when the five lords of the Philistines had seen it, they returned to Ekron the same day. These are the golden emeralds which the Philistines returned for a trespass offering unto the Lord, for Ashdod one, for Gaza one, for Eshkelon one, Gath one, and Ekron one. And the golden mice, according to the number of all the cities of Philistines, belonged to the five lords, both of the fenced cities and the country villages, even to the great stone of Abel, whereon they set down the ark of the Lord, which stone remaineth unto this day in the field of Joshua the Veshemite. And he smote the men of Beth Shemesh because they had looked into the ark of the Lord. Even he smote of the people fifty thousand threescore and ten. 
And the people lamented because the Lord has smitten many of the people with a great slaughter. So God means what he says. It says what he means. The men of Bethlehem said, Who is able to stand before this holy Lord God? And to whom shall he go up from us? They sent messengers to the inhabitants of Kiath Jerim, saying, The Philistines have brought again the ark of the Lord. Come ye down and fetch it up to you. So the ark then goes to um, Kiriath Jerim, and it stays there for almost a century because they don't want, they don't know what to do with it. They don't mess with it. They're glad to get it back into Israel, but they're terrified as to what to do. So now, uh, uh, Meth of Kiriath Jerim came, fetched up the ark of the Lord, brought it into the house of Benadab on the hill, sanctified Eliezer's son to keep the uh, ark of the Lord. It came to pass while the ark abode in Kiriath Jerim that the time was long, for it was 20 years, just for that part of it. And all the house of Israel lamented after the Lord. So that's some background. As we get into chapter 13, it's almost a century later, and David is going to take the ark. David consulted the captains of the thousands, the hundreds, and with every leader. He's really popular. He's the king now. He's widely acclaimed. David said unto all the congregation of Israel, if it seemed good to you, uh, then it be of the Lord of our God, let us send abroad unto our brethren everywhere that are left in all the land of Israel, and with them also the priests and the Levites which are in their cities and suburbs, that they may gather themselves unto us. And let us bring again the ark of our God to us, for we inquired not at it in the days of Saul. And all the congregation said that they would do so, for the thing was right in the eyes of all the people. So David gathered all the people together from Sihor of Egypt, even to the entering of Hemeth, to bring the ark from Kirith. And David went up and all the Israel to Bala, that is to Kiriath Jerim, which belonged to Judah, to bring up thence the ark of God, the Lord, that dwelt between the cherubims, that's the way it's always described, uh, whose name is called on it. And they carried the ark of God in a new cart out of the house of Benadab, and Uzzah and Ahio drave the chart. This is doing the right thing the wrong way. And one of the things we need to understand is God is very specific when he deals with holy things. So they mean well. They're doing the right thing, but not the right way. So David and all Israel played before God with all their might, with singing and with harps and with psalteries and with timbrels and cymbals and with trumpets. So this is a great time. David's king widely came throughout the nation to bring up the ark. When they came to the thrashing floor of Chedon, there are a lot of thrashing floors. The thrashing floor is typically a place with what you and I would call a saddleback. It's a place that there's usually a prevailing breeze in the evening. That's where they would separate the grain. So those were prized. Uh, they were very utilitarian locations. When they came unto the thrashing floor of Chedon, Uzzah put forth his hand to hold the ark, for the oxen stumbled. The oxen have stumbled, so Uzzah puts up his hand to steady this to keep it from falling over. Now, this is a verse from the Torah in Numbers chapter 4, verse 15. It says, When Aaron and his sons have made an end of covering the sanctuary and all the vessels of the sanctuary as the camp is set forward, after that the sons of Kohath shall come to bear it. But they shall not touch any holy thing lest they die. These things are the burden of the sons of Kohath in the tabernacle of congregation. In other words, the Torah specifies that not only is it a Levite, it's a member of the family of Kohath that is to bear the ark on the pole. Before they get there, it will have been wrapped. 
in, in, in the uh, tapestries. So the, the point is the instructions are very specific, and we're going to discover how specific. Because we get back to 1 Chronicles 13, the anger of the Lord was kindled against Uzzah, and he smote him because he put his hand to the ark, and there he died before God. Whoa. Whoa. And David was displeased because the Lord hath made a breach upon Uzzah. Therefore, this place is called Perez Uzzah, the breach of Uzzah, uh, to this day. And, uh, you know, today, there are probably many people putting their hands in the Lord's work. In fact, where they shouldn't be putting them. And uh, so it's just instant. Here, here is a man that, in effect, interfered, and God took him out of the way. David was afraid of God that day, boy, I can imagine, saying, how shall I bring the ark of God home to me? He should have asked that question before he tried. So David brought not the ark home to himself, to the city of David, but carried it aside into the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite. And the ark of God remained with the family of Obed-Edom in his house three months. And the Lord blessed the house of Obed-Edom and all that he had. So that ends this session. Just a quick laying the background for what's forthcoming, in a way. But uh, for the next session, of course, you want to read the next you know, four chapters, 14, 15, 16, 17. And you might also review Second Samuel 5 through 7, which is what we excerpted some of this from. And uh, so with that, let's stand for a closing word of prayer. Bar hearts. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the lessons. We pray, Father that we too might inquire and receive word before we venture, so that we're not trading on presumption, but walking where you have instructed us to walk. We pray, Father, through your Holy Spirit, to give us guidance, illuminate that path before us, that we might respond boldly, and yet with the confidence that we're following your instructions, and not our own imaginings. As we commit ourselves this night into your hands, in Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to 6640, the ministry outreach of Koinonia House and Koinonia Institute. Today's Bible teacher was Chuck Missler, teaching through the book of 1 Chronicles. For a complete listing of resources available, please visit khouse.org. You can also call us on 1-800-K-HOUSE-1. To learn more about Koinonia Institute, visit koinoniainstitute.org. Thank you for listening to 6640 and for your continued prayerful support of this ministry. Until next time, as we continue this series, may God bless you with the knowledge of His Son, Jesus Christ, as you study His Word.